how do you motivate your sales team? Companies have been asking this question since the dawn of the funnel. Fortunately, we've wrangled up the right person to ask. Uh, Tom McCarty, and I'm the uh, SVP of Sales Support and Business Development at Pipedrive. And if you're wondering, Pipedrive is sales pipeline management software that helps you get organized and focused on the right deals. In this episode, we not only discuss some real actionable items to help you better motivate your sales team, but also how to better manage your pipeline and keep it clean. I asked Tom about the current state of sales motivation and what that ultimately means for how your sales team interacts with your customers. You know, over the years, sales motivation has certainly evolved and changed. You know, I can tell you I've been doing sales for over 15 years now, and when I started out, um, you know, to be quite honest, I think we were, you know, uh, salespeople were very money, uh, money motivated and money driven. And, um, you know, what I've seen is that's really evolved over time. Um, I think, unfortunately, a lot of sales management approaches haven't. Um, and so I think a lot of us still think that salespeople and, uh, in general are just money, money driven. And the motivation factors have really changed a lot. And, you know, I think it's very important to really understand what drives your sales team um, because it's going to have such a massive impact on your customer experience. Um, and you know, too often I think we, we drive the wrong factors with our sales team and we're not empowering them and motivating them in the right way. Uh, and, and as a result, you, you see things like high attrition in sales. Um, you see things like high customer attrition because the, you know, your team is not feeling empowered to drive the customers in the right way. Um, and, and ultimately, you miss results. Are there any easy fixes, uh, Tom, to sales team motivation or is it more about developing the proper process? Yeah, I think it's about developing the proper process. I mean, you know, it, it, you know it, what I would say is that easy fixes are very disingenuous and um, they're, they're pretty transparent to the sales team. Um, I think they understand what you're doing and, and it comes across as cliche and it comes across um, as, as pretty insincere uh, in a lot of ways. It's not to say you can't do them, right? And, and when you're trying to drive for the end of the quarter or you've got a new challenge in front of you, you know, you can always use, use things. And I think it depends on your team you know, the, the seniority of the team, the complexity of the sale. But there's always contests, spiffs, competitions, food, uh, you know, different things you can do that are always kind of the, the, the typical things that you see. I think that they come across um, very disingenuous at times, especially if they get overused. Um, and it's very obvious that you're trying to, you know, put band-aids over root cause, um, deeper root cause issues. And, and so, you know, use them where you need to, but make sure they don't become part of the everyday culture. Um, because they'll never drive what you need them to, and, and people get burnt out on them. Where do you sort of see those contests, though, fitting in? Is that sort of like a once-a-year thing, or uh, do you see those sort of one-off things fitting into uh, an overall sales motivation strategy? You know, I mean, depending on – so I, my experience in a lot of what I do is large um, inbound contact centers, right? Um, inbound and outbound contact centers. So it's, it's mostly inside sales teams that I, that I drive with. Um, and, you know, we'll always try to have something going on. Um, you know, during the month, but we try to vary it and we do different approaches on things. Um, you know, but kind of major contests or major program changes, things that we'll do, we, you know, try to keep it to once a quarter at, at most. And then, uh, Tom, how does this sort of scale based on the size of a company? Is this, as you said, sort of dealing with a larger inbound and outbound sales staff? Do these sort of techniques and these processes, are they dramatically different, you know, for an enterprise level company than maybe an SMB? You know, um, shockingly, no. Uh, you know, I've spent my career, um, I've, I've managed multi-hundred seat sites at Dell. Um, I, I spent, you know, a few years at Intuit as well. And now I'm at Pipedrive, which, you know, my, my sales team currently is 10. Um, and, and what I would say, I mean, obviously the scale of how much it takes to do it changes. Um, but, you know, I think that the general techniques don't. Um, I think that as you get into enterprise, you know, some of the things that I think 
uh, are really building the foundation for sales motivation can be more complex to do just because you're managing a more complex organization. So if your sales team's 500 people, um, that, that creates different challenges in and of itself. What would you say, Tom, are, are some of your favorite examples? I love sort of, you know, structuring these conversations around an example or technique that folks can really, you know, either A, learn from in a story or B, you know, directly apply. So what would you say uh, is either a, a favorite example or a technique of a strategy that you've used to motivate sales teams? Yeah, you know, I think it comes to the foundation of how you build your sales organization. And so, you know, for me, when I look at it, it's a few different elements. Um, you know, one of the first things you have to look at is your compensation plan, um, because the reality when, with salespeople, you will drive their behavior based on the compensation plan that you select. Um, and, and what I've found is that people tend to, that sales leaders and, and you know, uh, managers and leaders overall tend to overcomplicate sales compensation plans. And my general rule of thumb that I've used, and I've gotten this from some fantastic people that with, a, with a lot of years of experience in, in building sales comp plans, is you, know, you should be able to describe it in about a two-minute conversation on the back of a napkin. Um, so if you can't jot your, your, your sales plan down on a napkin and explain it to me in a couple of minutes, then it's too complicated. You can't try to drive every behavior you want to drive in your sales organization through you know, all of these different layers of complexity to how they get paid. Um, and so for me, that's one of the first places I look is sales compensation. Um, some other areas I look at is, you know, do you empower your team to actually take care of the customer? Right? Because if, if I as a salesperson constantly have to go to my manager or my manager's manager to get approval to take care of things for a client, um, I become frustrated with my job. Right? And so, um, you know, sales motivation is, is more than just my own drive to, to succeed, right? It's my ability to be successful in the company. And one of the best ways you can do that um, is to empower your team to take care of the customer. And that can look, at, like, look like different things. And, you know, depending on the size of your organization, you put boundaries around it. But you need to empower your team to take care of the client. Um, and when they're not empowered to do it, I, I guarantee you they're going to feel very discouraged. Um, and frustrated with the process and, and the bureaucracy that you create if they have to constantly get approvals to do anything. Two other ones that I do is, you know, really regular communication and transparency. Um, and so, you know, I spend a lot of time just trying to talk to my sales team and ask them about, you know, how are things going? Um, you know, what's working? What's not working? What challenges are you facing? Um, and, and kind of hearing from them what, you know, they would like to see differently. Um, and then real, you know, very clear transparency on where the organization's going, what we're doing, what our goals are, why we're going after them. Um, I think you need to make sure that you're not trying to, that you're not coming across as things are behind closed doors um, and that there's a veil behind uh, that, that where decisions are getting made and try to be very transparent with the plan and listen and hear your team. And then take that information that you're getting and help remove barriers um, and, and help make it easier for them to do their job. And, and one of the things I hear a lot frequently is tool investment, right? And making sure that the things you're using to empower them as a team on you know, what they use operationally is functioning um, and that you've invested in the right tools for your team to, to let them be successful. And I love that you mentioned too, you know, empowering your team to take care of customers. I think that's a really, really uh, important concept to always sort of have in the back of your mind. And I think a big part of that is making sure that the folks that you're in, uh, interacting with from a sales perspective are sort of at the right stage in the sales pipeline. So uh, what would you say, Tom, are some, some common challenges in trying to, you know, manage your sales pipeline? I, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges that people see in pipeline management and that I've seen at, 
you know, all scales of organizations is really staying on top of your activity um, and making sure that you understand what you need to be doing at what stage in the funnels uh, or at what stage in your pipeline. Um, and, and that's really one of the biggest challenges that salespeople have is that they, they get off the phone and they don't um, take that next step of scheduling what my next follow-up is going to be. And also, you know, making sure you're taking just a couple of minutes to put some notes in about, hey, what did I talk about? What were the challenges? Why did we not close right now? Um, so that I'm following up with a new value add to the client the next time I contact them and, and not just covering the same uh, approaches again. Uh, and so I think that that's, a, that's a critical part to it, right, is that you've got to understand um, what your activities are. And when you're, when you're wasting your activities um, because you don't know what you talked about last time or you're missing your activities because you're not staying on top of your funnel by scheduling them appropriately, um, you're going to miss. Uh, you know, I think another thing that people miss is that they don't, um, they don't, they don't look at the numbers, right? They don't understand um, the, the, the long-term impacts of what each stage of my funnel and each stage of my pipeline is, is at, right? So if I have a six-week sales cycle, I need to understand where and how many customers I have at each stage. And too often, especially at the end of the month or an end of a quarter, um, salespeople get focused on the close. And then all of a sudden, when you just focus on the close and you only focus on that stage for two weeks, then all of a sudden you're starting your pipeline over at the beginning of the quarter or the beginning of the month because you weren't continuing to feed the top of your, uh, of the top of your pipeline uh, throughout the whole process. And you've got to keep and making sure you're staying out and saying, okay, where am I going to be at four weeks from now based on what four weeks back my, my pipeline looks like? And I think that's a huge mistake people make is they get too focused on the close and then they create gaps in their pipeline that you, know, you just can't make up. Uh, how important, Tom, is keeping your sales pipeline clean? How does that sort of relate to, uh, to your overall, I guess, sales strategy? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's vital. Um, you know, I've sat down with salespeople before and I've said, hey, you know, pull up for me, you know, your demo stage um, and show me everybody that's in demo. And somebody pulls up and it's like, oh, I've got 300 people in this stage. I'm like, well, let's sort these by last contact, right? And it's like, oh, I haven't talked to this person in 95 days. And I'm like, all right, what's going on there, you know? And so what happens when you don't keep your funnel clean is that you put people in the wrong place and then the wrong activities are getting driven. Um, and it prevents you from getting a really good picture of what your real opportunity is. Um, and then you get, you, a few things happen. You get a false sense of security because you see more volume in your pipeline uh, at a certain stage than what's actually there. Uh, you know, and, um, and then you, you drive the wrong activities because you've got people that maybe need to be moved to lost and get into a drip or nurture campaign um, that you've got still in your pipeline, which means they're not getting any other marketing activities sitting with them. Uh, and so it just, it drives the wrong behaviors and it keeps you from being focused on where your real deals and your real opportunities are. Absolutely. And uh, to go full circle here, hopefully, your second point in some of the challenges with pipeline management was all about, you know, how you can make sure that you're not just focusing on the close, but you're instead, you know, focusing on that entire interaction with that customer. So how can you sort of motivate folks if, you know, their incentive structure is based on closing deals? Is it just a matter of creating incentives to motivate them to not just close, but, you know, work with folks throughout the entire pipeline and throughout the entire funnel? You know, I, I think that, um, you know, the challenge with, with what you're saying there on some of that, especially with the compensation plan or other things is, um, you know, you, you got to make sure, you, again, you don't overcomplicate it. So, you know, generally I, I do tie my compensation plans um, to, you know, revenue output, which is, you know, I mean, it's, it's directly tied to the close. 
Um, but you know, I also do things around performance management. And when I talk about, hey, what determines your worth in the company? What determines um, you know, your promotion path and, and what leaders we choose from? And, uh, and you know, whether you're gonna get a pay raise this year, or things like that, when we look at your performance review, we look at other things than just your revenue output. And I think it's very important that you separate the two. Um, and that you say, look, this is what we reward and recognize on, um, and and you know our performance review process and how we evaluate you on a monthly basis has more to do than simply just the amount of revenue you close on the month, because there's a lot of ways to go get revenue. Some are good and some are bad, um, but you can't manage everything through the comp plan. Um, you know we do uh, depending on the uh, you know the, the process and the sales cycle. When I've had longer sales cycles, um, you know I do monthly pipeline reviews um, with my sales team where we talk about. Uh, you know where you're at and then their managers will do kind of bi-weekly reviews as well so that we're constantly having a conversation about what our pipeline looks like and you as a sales manager and a sales leader needs to need to understand that pipeline and those numbers better than they do so that you can help lead those conversations absolutely i love it i think that's a great great ending note there tom so uh, how can our listeners find out more about all that you guys are up to at uh, PipeDrive? Yeah, absolutely. So just you know, come over to pipedrive.com. Um, you know, we'll get you set up with a with a trial account on driving your your pipeline. Uh, and actually, we'll we'll do a promotion right now. If you just enter B to B Nation, um, we'll give you two months of trial instead of one month. But uh, but come on over, check out our blog, and and try out the product. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing that, Tom. And uh, I'll be sure to include that link in the show notes. So be sure to check it out there. Thanks again, Tom, for joining me. Really, really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, of course. Also, thank you so much to our listeners for following along. Uh, to find out more about B2B Nation, check out our website, technologyadvice.com backslash podcast. Lastly, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. Thanks for listening.